everyone's excited about this Steelers rookie class, especially after minicamp. But Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, all their top picks. Who gets to start first and who has the biggest impact as a rookie? To talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast, we talked to Ray Fittipaldo, who had some interesting words with defensive coordinator Terrell Austin, or at least an interesting story that we could talk about that opens eyes to that, as well as what's happening with special teams rules in the NFL and the Pirates calling up catcher Henry Davis. We talk about that with Jason Mackey. I'm your host of the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Ray Fittipaldo, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find this show, the North Shore Drive podcast, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on your favorite podcasting app and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get not just our Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes, but our daily content that comes out here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and all of our sports reporters here. You can also get all our content at post-gazette.com. Ray, you wrote a story last week when we were going through Steelers minicamp about Terrell Austin and him talking about there's no magic formula breaking to bringing in seven new starters on defense. But some of those starters, or at least one of those starters, could very well be a rookie in Joey Porter Jr. And there's a debate on the other side of the ball about Broderick Jones. Maybe he doesn't take the spot of Dan Moore Jr. Paul Zeiss and Adam Bittner talked about that recently on, on this channel. If, looking at that discussion and looking at what you, what you've learned through minicamp and everything the Steelers are doing right now, who do you see being the first rookie to start for the Steelers in 2023? I don't know if people are going to be surprised by this, Chris, or not, but I'm going to say it's going to be either Keanu Benton or Joey Porter Jr. And I'll tell mm. you why. Two okay. reasons for this. Um, if you go back to draft night when Terrell Austin came into the media room to talk about Joey Porter Jr. Uh, he said right then and there that there was not going to be a red shirt for, for Joey, that he was going to come in and, uh, you know, he, he was going to be given a chance to play right away. And uh, I think we've seen that throughout uh, OTAs and minicamp. They've been working Joey in there. And I think once we get to training camp, um, I don't know when, at what point during the preseason, second, third preseason game, I think we're going to see Joey Porter Jr. perhaps in the starting lineup. But – do not undersell the, the possibility that Keanu Benton also could be a Ooh. starter in early in his rookie season. If you go back to 2016, Chris, mm-hmm. Javon Hargrave, uh, third-round pick out of South Carolina State, he started his first game as a rookie, and he started all season. So I think defensive line is probably the easier spot just to get thrown into. You look at who's around him, Mary mm-hmm. Evan Joby, Cam Hayward, I think that would be um, – uh, you know, something that the coaches would consider. And let's face it, Montravius Adams, um, you know, I think he's solid, but, you know, is he is he the future? No, Keanu Benton is a future. And I think the sooner that, um, you know, he gets that experience, the better. So I'm going either or right there, but if you're going to press me, I'm going to say Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. is in an interesting position because, well, defensive lineman is complicated. It's, a, you know, especially D tackle where he'd be in between Ogan Joby and, and Cam Hayward. Um, 
it's gonna it's more about being physical it's more about something that i think can uh can resonate with more with with younger players whereas when you're cornerback and cornerback in this defense that just uses a lot of disguised packages a lot of switches during the plays and everything right. that they're doing there it requires a lot of communication a lot of high, high level understanding something that we've talked about on this show about Minka Fitzpatrick and Patrick Peterson you know even acknowledging like they're excited to do a lot more this year of those types of things and that can be a lot for a rookie like Joy, Joy Porter Jr but Terrell Austin is a defensive coordinator who has been a secondaries coach who's worked with first round draft pick uh, cornerbacks who have developed into who have developed into starters in their first year, namely Marcus Trufant back in 2003 with the Seattle Seahawks and Dominique Rogers Cromartie in 2008 with the Arizona Cardinals uh, during his time there. Joey Porter Jr. While he's not a first round pick, he's very close to it. He's the second the first the first overall pick of the second round. Which would have, which is the thirty-second pick, which would have been the, uh, the thirty-second pick would have been the first in the first round had the Dolphins not forfeited the pick due to their scandal. But I, I look at Joey Porter Jr. and I, I, I wonder, like, is is that doing, a, is that putting him under a lot of pressure in a defense that's going to probably be asking him to do a lot and to move a lot with all the things they like to do to disguise Minka Fitzpatrick and to have other veterans around him, or is this something that you think that Joey Porter Jr. This is kind of they. This is why they drafted him that early. This is why they didn't trade yeah. back for that pick. He's going to be ready for a moment like this, right? When when you draft a guy that high, Chris, number two thirty overall, thirty two overall, he's going to be the starter sooner rather than later. What the Steelers have to figure out, um, and I, I think they're in a pretty good position. Um, you have Patrick Peterson, who's a veteran on the one side. You have Levi Wallace, who played pretty darn well after Akella Witherspoon was injured last season. So. You have two veteran options there, so there is no need to rush Joey Porter Jr., but I'll go back to what Terrell Austin said. We asked him about True Font back in 2003. Um, he was the number 11 overall pick in that draft. He was inserted as a starter during the preseason, and he held that job all season. Uh, fast forward three years later when Austin is the secondary coach with the Arizona Cardinals, uh, a team that would eventually go on to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl against the Steelers, they took Dominique Rogers Cromartie in the first round with a number 16 mm-hmm. overall pick. And he started uh, pretty quickly as well. They waited one month to get him into the starting lineup. And then he was the starter uh, for the remainder of the season. What Austin said about this was, you know, you bring him along, you know, when it's time as a coaching staff, you just kind of figure it out. And then what he said was, there's really no substitution. Once they're ready, once you figure that out, there's no substitution for NFL experience. So the player needs that. The team's going to have to deal with some some ups and downs along the way, right? That's going to happen with any rookie. You just sort of got to take your lumps. But I think it's whether it happens in the middle of August or whether it happens middle of September, end of September, I, I think Joey Porter Jr. is probably going to be given the same treatment that both True Font and Dominique Rogers Cromartie were given when Austin coached them you know, 20 and 20, uh, 15 and 20 years ago. On the flip side of this, is it a huge problem if Broderick Jones is, isn't, isn't starting right away with him being not just, not just a first round pick, but a first round pick they traded up for? Yeah. I mean, I think this is a little bit different. Offense and defense obviously are different, but I think, you know, what you said about playing nose guard in the NFL, right? It's, hey, stop the run, beat the man in front of you. Yeah. You got to know what you're doing, but um, that's one of the easier positions to to step in as a rookie. I, I think uh, similarly with with cornerback, hey, 
put you over here. You got to guard this guy. Um, yeah, you got to know the calls and all that. But, um, you know, you're pretty much one-on-one with one guy, and you don't really have to know the defense in and out like you would if you were an inside linebacker or maybe a free safety who's calling the defense. So um, when you look at left tackle and Broderick Jones, you can make an argument it's the second most important position on any offense, mm-hmm. and especially when you're protecting the blind side of a second-year quarterback who had two concussions um, last season. So um, you better know that Broderick Jones is ready when you put him into the starting lineup. And, again, we talked about, you know, this has been a theme all offseason, the Steelers' front office improving the depth throughout the roster. Um, you know, they have Dan Moore there. Dan Moore is a two-year starter at left tackle. They could certainly get by with him for four, six, eight games, whatever it takes until Broderick Jones is ready. I haven't been told this, but it's just my gut feeling that we're going to see those two defensive guys on the field as starters before we see Broderick Jones out there. That's just my gut feeling as we sit here after minicamp. There you have it. Revelations from one of our Steam Steelers beat writers, Ray Fittipaldo, on who's going to start first there. Let us know what you think in the comment section if you're watching on YouTube, who you think is going to start first. We're going to switch topics here because I want to talk to Ray about some special teams rule changes in the NFL and how that's impacting some of the Steelers roster makeup and what they had to say about those rule changes. We'll talk about that in just a minute here and get to our Pirates talk later here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. But first, before we do anything else, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co. You can buy tickets to your favorite event without it being stressful with the game time app that you can download right to your phone game time is an app that, that's super it helps to make it super easy and fast to buy tickets for your favorite events whether they're sports music comedy or theater and and the ones that are near you you get killer deals on last minute tickets and that you get their best price guarantee which which can't be beaten so that you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have download the game time app today it'll allow you to book tickets even up to the last minute that you for, for events you didn't plan that far out if you didn't see someone coming into town if your plans changed this is the chance for you to go get those kind of tickets with exclusive flash deals for events whether it's football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater all those type of events game time can get you into and the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for the same event for less somewhere else, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference on those tickets. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're sticking with Ray Filippato here. Ray, um, last week we also got a chance to talk to Danny Smith a little bit, and that led to some other discussions uh, with about well, you know, with Danny, with uh, with Arnold Shevsky and special teamers. And there was some commentary, uh, some at least some points that were brought up from those guys about uh, a new special teams rule that the NFL has, has adopted. And that being that when players are call fair kick, catches on kickoffs, um, you know, they're, they're doing it. So it's going to bring it, bring the ball out a little bit further to the 25. And uh, with, with that rule, there's people that feel, and not, it's not just the Steelers. This, this comment has been made across the NFL that it's legislating people out of, um, out of, out of the game. It's taking away, jo- it's going to make jobs irrelevant. Like for guys that have made, their hay in the NFL. 
and you spoke to Gunnar Olszewski about this. What is the what is the argument behind this? That it, it you know because the the argument on one side is the NFL is trying to legislate dangerous hits out of the game and sees special teams as a contributor to that. But on the other side of this, what is their case on this? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, uh, Danny Smith gets it. I mean, when the NFL owners uh, passed this bill last month, um, I was like, hey, if it's going to reduce concussions around the league, it's a no-brainer, right? So that's the one aspect of it. But when you look at it from the perspective of a guy like Gunnar Olszewski, um, he's basically in the NFL because he's a punt returner and a kick returner. And when you de-emphasize those roles – when you give head coaches and general managers the uh, option of thinking, okay, well, do we need a kick returner this year? I mean, we could pretty much get anyone out there to free catch it or, or to fair catch it, and we'll get the ball on the 25-yard line. So I understand where Olszewski is coming from. Guys like him could be out of jobs soon. Um, now you, could, you could say, hey, you know, earn your way onto the job as a receiver. That's, that's very well and true, but – you know, would Devin Hester have a role um, mm. in 2023 like he did back in 2005, 2006? I mean, it's it, it's a it's a, it's a good topic to discuss. I think we'll be talking about it more throughout the preseason once we see how this goes. But um, I, I understand the NFL why they want to do this. They've had to write a lot of checks because of the concussion issue, but I also get it from from the guys like Gunnar Olszewski. This is their livelihood, and they want to protect it as long as they can. I get that entirely. And, and there was also former Steeler Vince Williams talked about it, and he's not even a return man. He was just like guys who make their way. So Vince Williams was, was a six-round draft pick, and he ended up starting because of a lot of injuries to the linebacker position for right. the Steelers back in 2013. I believe I got that year right. Um right. Um, and but but how he got noticed was special teams, and if special teams are less than an emphasis, guys like him can't make make their hay in the in the NFL. Um, and you know, and and the Steelers also, you know, you're looking. We were talking about you know extra wide receivers who could make the offense th- this this year last week, and you know we we know Calvin Austin's going to be on on the final 53 roster this year, being a fourth round pick just last year. But a guy like Jordan Bird, who his main thing is speed and. Uh, if and if he's gonna make the team, it's gonna be as a return man. But if the Steelers don't necessarily need return men that badly, what's what's that impact on him? So I get their argument here as far as like, hey, like this rule, how much is it actually say, helping people when it comes to coaching? Is it statistically going to help people? And if it does, if it does, great. But if it doesn't, you're impacting the game and taking away these people who have made a livelihood off, off, off of, off of this part of the game, because special teams is important, even though it's, even though it's the, it's the one part of the uh, one part of the game that's least the, the least play, played because it's only, it's only intermittently throughout the game. It still plays a big role in, in how teams work. That's why Danny Smith spends so much time with players uh, in practice and in training camp going over every little detail so that the Steelers don't give up, you know, the biggest returns, you know, of the season that in moments that cripple them. Yeah, I mean, listen, Danny Smith and Gunnar Olszewski both said this. Um, it's not going to eliminate concussions from the game. And I, I think even if we see, do see a reduction in concussions, um, Danny Smith's point was, okay, where are they going to go next, right? They're kind of singling out special teams now, but what are they going to focus on next? Are they going to take away linebackers hitting receivers over the middle? Um, you know, Danny Smith referenced the uh, – you know, the offensive and defensive linemen being mandated 
to wear the guardian caps last year during training camp. Because um, if you look at that play, if you look at, um, you know, offensive and defensive linemen, basically small car crashes on every single play, is that where the NFL is going to look next? You know, could you could, I mean, this has been talked about for, for years now because of the way the NFL has, has turned into a passing league. Mm. Could the NFL somehow mandate uh, two man sets or, mm. uh, you know, two man stances from yeah. offensive linemen? I mean, it, it's kind of silly to be talking about it, but I think you can't uh, underestimate what the NFL, um, you know, wants to do when it comes to reducing concussions. So, um, and, and one more point um, that, sure. that we should definitely get to about the uh, the new kickoff role, Chris. What happens, you know, a lot of special teams coaches and kickers perfected the sky kick to like mm-hmm. the five-yard line, right, yep. forcing the terms. What now if we get special teams coaches and uh, a couple of place kickers who perfect the squid kick and mm. can't fair, fair catch a squid kick, right? So what if they perfect that and they get it down to – you know, the five, 10 yard line and you're forcing returns, you're, you're still going to have the same collision. So, um, you know, we'll and see maybe, what happens. And maybe yeah. even more, more so because a squib kick is, can be wildly unpredictable. That's why, that's why right. it's done when it's done is, is to catch people off guard and to, you know, force the, the return man, whoever's going to be picking it up to have to worry about a bouncing football, which if you've ever tried to yeah. catch a football, that's just bouncing and one that's, you know, moving it, moving it at a high speed. It is, it is the most unpredictable of all, of all the sports yeah. balls out there, you know, from baseball to basketball, you know, all the round balls with that shape, it can go in so many different directions. And when it's doing that, not only does the return man have to be aware of what's, what's coming, you know, on top of where the ball is, but also the, uh, the, the players blocking for them, you know, not knowing because you know, when you, when it go, when the ball goes up in the air, you can kind of track it and you guys can go to your spots get set and then that's how you set up your your, your return lanes and, and, and everything like that but when a ball is squibbed that goes away because then yeah. it's just a mad scramble okay where's the ball going we got to protect it because the other team because kickoff team uh the, the on the on the deep they're gonna be charging right through it because if there's a bobble if there's a if there's a loose ball they have a chance to get it back and I agree the squib kick could and to me that could be even more dangerous than kickoffs themselves naturally. Because yeah. we're talking about the again when the, when the ball's kicked up high, everyone gets set, everyone knows where, where they're at. There's no quick turn of the heads, and and then everyone's going and making their plays. And all and that to me is a lot safer than the idea of the squib kick when it's a mad scramble and a, de- a defender might come charging in because of the bobble of a ball. Uh, whereas that doesn't happen on normal kickoffs. It's going to be fascinating to see how coaches approach this. I want to say. And I don't want to give him credit if, if he's not due, but I think Belichick is the one who came up with the sky kick idea. Mm-hmm. And I, you, some smart coach or some smart special teams coach is going to figure, figure out. out a loophole um, in this rule. Listen, every NFL rules change is done with good intentions, but sometimes the best laid plans, you know, sometimes there's loopholes and sometimes there's way to, uh, you know, create uh, a ball in play when the NFL was trying to legislate, uh, you know, the play out of it. So we'll see what happens. I'm really looking forward to those preseason games. Uh, Danny Smith said, hey, we're, we're going to return these balls in the preseason no matter what. If it's five, ten yards deep, we're going to return it because we got to figure out who our returner is going to be. But you know also during the season, sometimes it's just, just going to be smart. Hey, put your hand up, fair catch it. We'll take the ball to 25, and we'll go from there.
He's Ray Fittipato of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, thanks so much for all your chatting. We'll talk, talk to you again very soon here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But don't go anywhere, y'all. We've got to talk about the Pirates. They're calling up Henry Davis, the catcher that we've all been waiting to hear, get his chance. We'll talk with Jason Mackey about that, what it means, what to expect, and how the Pirates are moving forward after two rough series in the NL Central that's dropped them down to third place in the division after they've been swept by the Cubs and the Brewers. All that and more here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We switched from Steelers to the Pirates. And we're not going to talk about the series that as much, but I want to talk about the big story in town. That's Henry Davis has been caught off. He's Jason Mackey. He covers the Pirates for us. One of our esteemed beat writers here. And he's, Jason, you have been all over this Pirates beat. This was one of the biggest questions I'm sure you got in your mailbags. Fans that say, when is it happening? When is it happening? And now it's finally happening. Can you give us a sense of how ready you think Henry Davis is for his first big league experience being the guy for the Pirates. Yeah, Chris, here's where I come down on it. He is ready to contribute. He is not ready and fully developed as a player. And to me, that's perfectly fine. I'm perfectly comfortable taking what he does well, which is contribute offensively, hit the ball, and allow him to develop a little bit differently or, you know, allow him to develop at the major league level. I think it's beneficial honestly, for him to work alongside Austin Hedges, Jason DeLay, and do that at the major league level. And and, he's going to make mistakes, and that's okay. And I want him to make those mistakes, and I want him to learn from him, from them around coaching and video and all the resources they have at the major league level. But can he hit and be a force and add something to that offense? Absolutely. I think that's a big thing is that would be very welcomed right now with the Pirates. But give me the sense that you have from – uh, Henry Davis, as a as a young as a young person and a young player, how he's handled this entire process, maturity wise, where is he is as far, where is he going to be when he comes up to the plate for the first time at PNC Park and takes the rises and falls that naturally come with baseball, but especially young players in baseball. Chris, I love his makeup. I love his makeup in terms of the players that I've covered with the Pirates and really for any sport, he's one of the most serious dudes there is now. Mm. Will he break character occasionally and laugh and smile? And is he a normal person? Yes. Um, but he puts an enormous amount into this. And he's also a very sincere person. And what I mean by that is a lot of their pitchers are Latin. Um, as soon as Henry was drafted, he said, I need to learn Spanish. And has been very mm-hmm. adamant about like learning to speak the language, to care for these guys, knowing this is I have to manage a pitching staff. This is how I'm going to do it. Um, I've had extended conversations with Henry about tracking his sleep and body movement, um, like to, to way beyond uh, mm-hmm. what a normal athlete would do. He has adopted the TB12 diet. I don't know if he's still doing it, but like, you know, is a big Tom Brady, live my life, orient everything toward my job kind of guy. Um, again, just very serious. My sense of how this went, I think he was probably a little hacked off that he was in the minor leagues. I think that he wanted to be up in the mm-hmm. big leagues and felt like he could contribute. Now, did Henry take that and roll it the right way? You know, if you, if you want to do something, affect change, right? Like change the performance or channel it onto the field. And he did that. Um, and now I'm curious, okay, you got what you want. You got what you deserve. What do you do with it now? Can't wait to see it. 
Where does he go for the Pirates when he first get there? Is are they going to like DH him a bit? Are they going to right field him a bit? Are they going to you know give him more catcher's experience? How do you see them balancing his time? Uh, you know, at least with the over the next few months. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he's ready, Chris, to catch every day. I don't think that's the right. best thing for him. Um, so I think it's going to be maybe 33, 33, 33. You know, mm. figure out how how it works because um, you do want to get. Austin Hedges and Jason DeLay and get more catchers work. And people are going to get mad at that. And then after a week when they watch Henry Davis catch, they're going to be less mad at that. I think actually Mm -hmm. like having Henry up here a little bit is going to show Austin Hedges is a valuable part of this team. Now, can, can he and Henry coexist? Absolutely. And you need somebody like Henry up here to push other people. And I think I want, I want to see the offense. I want to see what it does to the people around him. Um, But so anyway, not to stray too far from the question, Chris, I think, He'll get, you know, 33% of his at-bats behind the plate. He's going to go out the right field. That's why they did that. And I think he's actually been a little better than anybody expected him to be in right field. And then they'll DH him, too. And that's a consideration. You you look at Carlos Santana, Andrew McCutcheon, some other guys. When the heck G-Man Choi comes back or if he ever comes back, I don't know. That's a whole separate conversation. But, you know, it, it's going to be a mix of things. I, I hear you on that. I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this guy finally getting called up, and I'm intrigued to see how the Pirates will use him. Let's talk about the Pirates themselves a bit a bit here. And, man, this is a tough stretch. You and I talked about the next nine games. When we were starting this this stretch uh, going into this past week, they had nine straight division games. We were like, if they can come out like four and five, it was going to be really good. They've lost all six so far, three to the Cubs and getting swept, and then three to the Brewers and getting swept. Uh, that This last one just ended Sunday. Now they come back home for three more against the Cubs. Jason, what has gone wrong in this road trip against NL Central opponents? Man, I'd have an easier time saying what's gone right, Chris. It's been <laughs> so bad. Um, I, and again, like I got on the beat in May of 2019. And so I've seen a lot of crappy stuff with this team over the past couple of years. This road trip is right up there, man. Just Mm. miserable. Um, The biggest thing that has gone wrong, though, is the bullpen. I think that's the the one thing that, like, was semi-reliable before and has just been atrocious on this trip. And, and, you know, you have guys going down with injuries. You have your your makeup, like you had Colin Holderman. You had uh, Dari Moretta. You had Jose Hernandez. You had Johan Ramirez. Like, all of those guys, like Moretta wasn't good. Ramirez wasn't good. Holderman is hurt. Hernandez is hurt. Um, mm. Not that Rob Zestrisny was any great shakes, but like he was a guy that was in their opening day bullpen. Now is gone. Um, it's just, it's been rough, man. And like, I, I have like Carmen Majinski and Angel Perdomo. They've, they've been fine, but you're basically bringing up the AAA bullpen now and asking them to get major league outs. And I feel like there's going to be attrition there. Um, but I don't know, just to take a, a, a few more things off the list, not to, you know, like Tucapito Marcano has kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, he was earlier, he was pretty good earlier. Connor Joe had his moments. Um, he was really rough today. Some of the starting pitching is eh, kind of a drop off there. So anyway, I could talk for a while about what went wrong. There was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff to go wrong. Okay. Give us some insight in what needs to go right. If they're going to at least maybe take two out of three for this upcoming Cub Series, or do you not even see that happening? They have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at home. Beto, Oviedo, and Hill will be on the mound. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll start with starting pitching. That's fairly obvious. I'm curious to see what Osvaldo Beto does. Um, as bad as this road trip was, Chris, I thought he was very good. His stuff <laughs> looked excellent. Um, no issue whatsoever with him getting another start. I'm glad he did. I'd keep in the rotation as long as he keeps throwing like this. But to me, it's simple. you got to get more offense. 
whether it's Henry Davis, whether it's anybody. They had so many situations, and I don't know. It just seemed like they all came up with the catcher, too. Like Austin Hedges, Jason DeLay had these key at-bats, and they did nothing with them. And I'm not saying they have to get like um, production specifically out of the catcher spot. They just need to score some runs, man. They're not scoring enough runs. They're not good. They're you know they're, their pitching isn't good enough to carry that. Like that, you you got to get Reynolds on some sort of heater. Santana's been good. Hayes went quiet after a really good home stand. Um, there's just too many guys. They're not getting enough from them. Bay, Marcano, Castro, Sawinski. They all had lousy road trips. So you just need shoot half those guys to look the way they've looked previously. I hear you in that. That's uh that's gonna be. Part of the part of the struggle here moving forward, Jason. As you sit there in an airport in Mil- in Milwaukee, waiting for your flight back to Pittsburgh, so you can cover this ne- this next series for us at the Post Gazette. The Pirates have dropped to third in the NL Central, two and a half games back now of the Brewers, who just swept them. A half game back, or no, two games back of the Reds, who now sit at thirty-seven and thirty-five. But thirty-four and thirty-six, you know, I know that that's still a far cry. It's it's a stark fall from where that where they were at one point. But you and I talked about this, like reasonable expectations things were going to level out at some point they're here can you see a bounce back in the near future for these for these buckos in these next few series because after this i believe they have the marlins yeah i mean i i a bounce back to the tune of like a six game winning streak or a 28 <laughs> pace or whatever no i can't see that no not that um, the best thing i think you can hope for at this point and i think this is the water starting to find its level unfortunately but i think mm-hmm. i think people realize that um you know, you want to see them just play better ball. Like, Bob along, you know, you're going to go five games over 500, maybe go five games under 500. I think people just want to see it done with a little more intent, too. Like, I think what mm. irritates people is, you know, you're having the catcher strike out in these key situations, and you've got two really good prospects in AAA. Like, that's what gets people mad. You're going to lose yeah. games, lose it with guys who are the future. And, and, Andy Rodriguez, to be fair, like hasn't hit outside of today. So you're going to bring up Henry. Okay, well, they did that. Um, I just think that, you know, this is probably how you're going to look at it the rest of the way. I just hope that they're giving reps to guys that need it. You know, let me see Nick Gonzalez. Let me see Jared Triolo. Let me see Quinn Priester. Let me see guys who are going to be a part of this thing long term, as opposed to wasting reps on guys who aren't. I hear you on that. He's Jason Mackey. He'll be in Pittsburgh covering, covering the series as they return home to take on the Cubs over the next three games at PNC Park. And you can find all of his work just like I can find all of our work at post-gazette.com with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Jason, thank you so much for joining us here. Have a safe flight back to Pittsburgh. I'm your host, Chris Hello, Carter. We'll, have, we'll be talking more on the North Shore Drive podcast Wednesdays, checking back in with the Pirates, and as well talking everything here, Pittsburgh sports. Thanks again for the North Shore Drive podcast. Back on your screens on Wednesday right here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. 